And now, New Galaxy Enterprises proudly presents Threshold Radio. This is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Threshold, a global media event. Is the universe just a random dance of atoms, or is it a manifestation of a supremely intelligent architect? Can its purpose, or our purpose here on Earth, be adequately assessed? Can we commune with it, know its intentions, cooperate with its direction? Here, we define threshold as a gateway state of awareness, allowing mankind to cross into a place of real cognition. Threshold allows us to approach questions of higher reality through the door of experience rather than mere belief. Welcome to Threshold, where we tear away the veil from commercial media, bringing our audience and participants into another realm of reality and enhanced communication. This is Johnny Blue Star. My company, New Galaxy Enterprises, helps create media projects that support the environment, encourage a healthy lifestyle, develop useful nurturing technology, and offer platforms for socially constructive entertainment or informative, transformative media. If you need help to accomplish your goals, visit NewGalaxyEnterprises.com or contact me at JohnnyBlueStar at gmail.com. Turn your vision into a dazzling media reality. Manifest your media dream today. This is Johnny Blue Star bringing you another program discussing challenges to the decision to move the American Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to the Holy City of Jerusalem. I am joined with my co-host on this program, Hugo Rodier, an integrative physician. In Threshold Radio, we try to bring a spiritual perspective to personal relationship, business, and political concerns. Today, we continue to probe the stormy subject of Jerusalem. Many countries, including members of the Security Council, objected to the move and an emergency meeting was held to vote on demanding the U.S. to abandon the move. Prior to the meeting, Nikki Haley gave a speech threatening the members of the U.N. going against the U.S. decision. To its shame, the United Nations has long been a hostile place for the state of Israel. Both the current and the previous Secretary Generals have objected to the U.N.'s disproportionate focus on Israel. It's a wrong that undermines the credibility of this institution, and that, in turn, is harmful for the entire world. I've often wondered why, in the face of such hostility, Israel has chosen to remain a member of this body. And then I remember that Israel has chosen to remain in this institution because it's important to stand up for yourself. Israel must stand up for its own survival as a nation, but it also stands up for the ideals of freedom and human dignity that the United Nations is supposed to be about. Standing here today, being forced to defend sovereignty and the integrity of my country, the United States of America, many of the same thoughts have come to mind. The United States is by far the single largest contributor to the United Nations and its agencies. We do this in part in order to advance our values and our interests. When that happens, our participation in the UN produces great good for the world. Together, we feed, clothe, and educate desperate people. We nurture and sustain fragile peace in conflict areas throughout the world. And we hold outlaw regimes accountable. We do this because it represents who we are. It is our American way. But we'll be honest with you. When we make generous contributions to the UN, 
we also have a legitimate expectation that our goodwill is recognized and respected. When a nation is singled out for attack in this organization, that nation is disrespected. What's more, that nation is asked to pay for the privilege of being disrespected. In the case of the United States, we are asked to pay more than anyone else for that dubious privilege. Unlike in some UN member countries, the United States government is answerable to its people. As such, we have an obligation to acknowledge when our political and financial capital is being poorly spent. We have an obligation to demand more for our investment. And if our investment fails, we have an obligation to spend our resources in more productive ways. Those are the thoughts that come to mind when we consider the resolution before us today. The arguments about the President's decision to move the American Embassy to Jerusalem have already been made. They are by now well known. The decision was in accordance to U.S. law dating back to 1995, and its position has been repeatedly endorsed by the American people ever since. The decision does not prejudge any final status issues, including Jerusalem's boundaries. The decision does not preclude a two-state solution if the parties agree to that. The decision does nothing to harm peace efforts. Rather, the President's decision reflects the will of the American people and our right as a nation to choose the location of our embassy. There is no need to describe it further. Instead, there is a larger point to make. The United States will remember this day in which it was singled out for attack in the General Assembly for the very act of exercising our right as a sovereign nation. We will remember it when we are called upon to once again make the world's largest contribution to the United Nations. And we will remember it when so many countries come calling on us, as they so often do, to pay even more and to use our influence for their benefit. America will put our embassy in Jerusalem. That is what the American people want us to do. And it is the right thing to do. No vote in the United Nations will make any difference on that. But this vote will make a difference on how Americans look at the UN and on how we look at countries who disrespect us in the UN. And this vote will be remembered. Thank you. This is, uh, prior to the vote, the Palestinian Foreign Minister Riyad al-Malki had these comments to make. Also, they're committing tomorrow another mistake when they have distributed um, this famous letter trying to uh, threaten countries, threaten their sovereign decision to choose how to vote by threatening them and trying to intimidate them by telling them that they will collect their names and they will try to see how to deal with them later. It's kind of amazing. What do you think of this? What do you think of this kind of uh, threat uh, against the membership like uh, Al Malki was talking about? Well, what a tangled web we weave. <laughs> so true. So I sad. I mean, you listening to her, I can see where she's coming from. I can see that it's a party line. 
I can see that she needs to be faithful to it. It makes perfect sense when I put myself in the shoes of Mr. Trump and the people who voted for him and, and Nikki Haley. Makes perfect sense. They're, they're following their agenda. But so one-sided, so partial, so intolerant. And, and you know, throughout the whole thing I'm listening, here's a child who's not getting her way. She's just going to take the ball and the ball and go home and not play anymore. The thing about it, as we'll discuss in a couple of minutes, is the actual international law involved in this, in, in, in uh, what she is, re what is she is rejecting as, uh, as an unfair attack on, on the United States sovereignty. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And it's uh, rather, rather, um, I don't know, I think it's rather uh, terrible. Johnny, I get that point. Uh, my my point is that the excuse to go against what you refer international law is quite valid from the U.S. point of view, but it's a point of view where money is king. So we that's why we don't want anybody financing uh, the U.N. too much, because then they get the attitude that, okay, since I paid for it, you guys got to come along with me and, and suck up to me and do what I say. And so that's another problem there, that uh, it's an implicit, implicit in our argument. We should not have any one country uh, funding so much because then they start thinking that uh, everybody has to roll over. Well, there, there is a, uh, as we will go into, a strong argument that this, when you, regardless if you're a sovereign nation, if you agree to a treaty involving other nations or some other kind of international law, then you're supposed to follow it. And she totally ignores it. And uh, we'll discuss what it is in a few minutes. But let, let's just listen to just a, our, our, main, our mainstream panel from uh, CNN discussing uh, this particular UN vote on Jerusalem. Tomorrow, listen to what he said today. For all of these nations that take our money and then they vote against us at the Security Council, or they vote against us potentially at the Assembly, they take hundreds of millions of dollars and even billions of dollars and then they vote against us. Well, we're watching those votes. Let them vote against us. We'll save a lot. We don't care. What do you make of that tone, uh, the substance of that warning by the President? We don't care. Are you kidding me? Why do we give people money, Wolf? Is it because they vote for us in a resolution at the United States and the United Nations that re relates to Israel and Jerusalem? If a child is dying because he doesn't have food, if a child is die dying because of disease, if there's a place that's divided by civil war and the American people can send money to help a mother raise a child, are we to say because that country doesn't vote with us in one resolution that we won't help that child. I think the president speaks with emotion, not with thought. He's already told us in one way what he thinks. When he sent missiles into Syria, one of his comments was, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, you know children are dying. Children will die if Americans don't provide assistance with other countries, including the Europeans, the Japanese, and others, to other countries that are divided by things like civil war and that are uh, damaged by things like disease and poverty. 
Are we not going to provide money to that child? I don't think that's going to happen, Wolf, and I don't think the president thought through what he was saying. You, you think, Ron Brownstein, the president really meant that threat? For example, let's say a country like Jordan, a close friend of the United States, which mm -hmm. gets hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid, or Egypt, for that matter, which gets hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid. You think the president would really cut that kind of aid to countries like Egypt and Jordan if they vote for this resolution tomorrow at the U.N. General Assembly? I think it's unlikely that he would go that far, but the direction, directionally, what he said, I think, is actually reflective of his view of the world, which is that essentially the United States relations with other countries are immediately transactional. Uh, they are about what you, you know, what can you do for us, as opposed to the U.S. playing a linchpin role in providing uh, the architecture of global uh, stability and security. And it is one, it is an, it is an approach uh, that increasingly America first, you know, as people have argued, uh, has translated into America alone in many parts of the world, particularly in Asia, where the decision to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific uh, uh, trade deal uh, created more openings for China to exert regional influence. So while I doubt that he is going to cut off Egypt if it opposes this, uh, the direction of those, of those comments, I think, reflect the general kind of foreign policy he has and will continue to pursue. We'll soon find out uh, what he means when the vote, when the roll call, the General Assembly takes place. So let them vote against us, the president said. We'll save a lot. We don't care. Well, I think we should look at the actual resolution that they, they are going to vote on in this uh, situation that, that um, justified their, the uh, United Nations t um, countries taking this position in the Security Council, except for the U.S. <clears throat> Here it is. Uh, John, yeah. could I say something before that? Absolutely. Sure. I'm, I'm very troubled by the CNN piece. On the one hand, yes, we need to condemn Mr. Trump's attitude that we're just going to take the ball home and not play anymore. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, both parties, Trump and CNN, are laboring under what I believe is a very disturbing twist of the truth. Because CNN and Mr. Trump assume that we are giving foreign aid to countries because we're all oh, so good. Let's go help them. No, sir. The U.S. gives foreign aid, just like I heard part of the story, to get something back. It's a transaction. And so we give a few pennies and take back millions in people's resources from other countries, in corporate rights invading other countries and taking their resources, et cetera, et cetera. It's an investment that the U.S. makes called foreign aid. And so for CNN and Mr. Trump to make it sound like the U.S. is doing all this for the good of other countries, it's a lie. The truth is those are monies that are invested to get our filthy fingers in their affairs for the good of the U.S. And that's the truth. And it's very disturbing that both sides do not tell you this. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, the sort of American dream, as far as the United States financial superiority, is more like a, 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 uh, a nightmare for other countries. Because we, exactly. are, we are basically going into other countries, setting them up sometimes so that we can bring our corporations in there and do all kinds of, quote, nice things for them, and they pay the bill. 
and the uh, Johnny, it's so disturbing to hear Nikki say, "We are the force of peace. We are the force of stability." No, sir. No, it's the other way around, and it's because of money, because of the the big premise that you set up at the beginning of the show, which was right on, in my opinion, which is all the affairs of the world are being controlled by this huge Nazi corporate fascist coalition between corporations and governments. And so what do the people do? You know, that, that's a big conundrum. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I really agree with you. And I, I think it is part of our mission to try and get to the core of what we as human beings should be doing on this earth and how we should treat other people. And I do think that there's a great, great thing about uh, the freedom of enterprise and that type of liberty. But when it becomes a, a, a matter of a few uh, companies not only taking care of the business of most of it, but also controlling the government, you have a serious, serious problem that can lead to truly ap ap apocalyptic circumstances before we go, I want to go into the resolution itself, but let's take a break for a moment. Boots in Manhattan is a coming-of-age novel by Ray Boylan and Johnny Blue Star. It is about a young Tom Boots Raymond who grows up in New York in the 1940s who is a member of a street gang. My friends and I were about to start our own game of stickball when Rabbit Lacey, the head of the Rattlers, came up to us and tried to move in on our game. We were called dwarves, the youngest members of this stupid gang. Hey, Kevin, I need you to get some gloves and some stuff I left at my place. No, this is our game. Hey, are you my good little dwarf or what? You've been calling me a dwarf since I was six. We're not your personal slaves, pal. Hey, what is this? A dwarf rebellion? All right, big guy. We ditched the dwarf thing. We make you guys regular rattlers. No, it's too late. He looked at Jay and me. We looked away. Rabbit was now angry, and he pushed Kevin hard with the palms of his hand. Kevin tried to ram him in the stomach, but he stepped aside, throwing Kevin into the curb where he fell to the ground, bleeding profusely at the knee. Still, he managed to get up. My street. Kevin shouted at Rabbit, pointing at him with an angry index finger. Find out more by Googling Boots in Manhattan, a 1940s coming-of-age novel, part one of the novel series The Foot Soldier by Ray Boylan and Johnny Bluestar. Google with the words Boots in Manhattan, Ray Johnny Kindle. That's Boots in Manhattan, Ray Johnny Kindle. Are you confused about so much information on health issues? Do you find it hard to trust the sources of conflicting advice? Try Dr. Rodier's newsletters and blogs based on the latest information published in the best medical and nutritional journals. There's no charge for subscribing. Just log on to hugorodier.com. That's H-U-G-O-R-O-D-I-E-R.com to do so or to download Dr. Rodier's latest publications. New Galaxy Enterprises is a media company specializing in wide-ranging content like novels, non-fiction books, screenplays, commercial advertising, web content, etc. One of our most esteemed providers is illustrator Robert W. Zalo. I work on all my most important projects like book covers, logos, web design elements with Robert. 
As an illustrator, he worked on the Ignatz-nominated comic book, The Expert's Guide to Killing Things That Go Bump in the Night. His skills encompass advertising, magazine illustrations, gaming, comic books, TV production, and scenic painting. His clients include Comcast, Adelphia, Haven Talent, Forceworks, High Octane Theater, Star Creative Advertising. If you wish to contact, go to NewGalaxyEnterprises.com or email me at JohnnyBlueStar at gmail.com. For artist, illustrator Robert Zalo, an essential component of all the work we do, maybe he can help you too. Here's Stephanie Slavens, Cast a Shadow. Just think of all the clouds up there in 
Hi, this is Johnny Blue Star. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to uh, look at the uh, the actual resolution. Uh, so this is what they were voting on in the United Nations recently. Guided by the purpose and principles of the Charter of the United Nations and reaffirming inter alia the inadmissibility of the acquisition of territory by force. Bearing in mind the specific status of the holy city of Jerusalem, and in particular the need for the protection and preservation of the unique spiritual, religious, and cultural dimensions of the city, as foreseen in the relevant United Nations resolution, stressing that Jerusalem is a final status issue to be resolved through the negotiations in line with relevant United Nations resolutions. Expressing in this regard <clears throat> its deep regret at recent decisions regarding the status of Jerusalem, affirms that any decisions and actions which purport to have altered the character, status, or demographic, demographic composition of the Holy City of Jerusalem have no legal effect, are null and void, and must be rescinded in compliance with relevant resolutions of the Security Council, and in this regard calls upon all states to refrain from the establishment of diplomatic missions in the Holy City of Jerusalem, pursuant to Resolution 478, Done in that was created in 1980 by the Security Council, demands that all states comply with Security Council resolutions regarding the Holy City of Jerusalem and not to recognize any actions or measures contrary to these resolutions. Reiterates its call for the reversal of the negative trends on the ground that are imperiling the two-state solution and for the intensification and acceleration of international and regional efforts and support aimed at achieving without delay a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in the Middle East on the basis of the relevant United Nations resolutions, the Madrid ter terms of reference, including the principle of land for peace, the Arab Peace Initiative, and the Quartet, <clears throat> roadmap and an end to the Israeli occupation that began in 1967. Decides to adjourn the 10th emergency special session temporarily and to authorize the President of the General Assembly its most recent session to resume its meeting upon request of the member states. The Trump administration, notably by Nikki Haley, used its veto to block a UN security vote to compel Trump to withdraw the recognition of Jerusalem as the as the capital of Israel. Here's what went down. Will those in favor of the draft resolution contained in document S slash 2017 slash 1060 please raise their hand. Thank you. Those against. Thank you. 14 votes in favor, one vote against. The draft resolution has not been adopted owing to the negative vote of a permanent member of the Council. The fact that this veto is being done in defense of American sovereignty and in defense of America's role in the Middle East peace process is not a source of embarrassment for us. It should be an embarrassment to the remainder of the Security Council. The United States will not be told by any country where we can put our embassy. Buried even deeper in the jargon of this resolution is the accusation that the United States is setting back the prospects of peace in the Middle East. That is a scandalous charge. What we witnessed here today in the Security Council is an insult. It won't be forgotten. It's one more example of the United Nations doing more harm than good in addressing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Today, for the simple act of deciding where to put our embassy, 
the United States was forced to defend its sovereignty. The record will reflect that we did so proudly. I would say that the record should reflect that she can totally ignores uh, Resolution 478 that we just read. I'm sorry. She, we haven't just read it. We, we are going to read it soon, but she ignores that in, the, in her speech, the, the resolution that, that, that pre- prevents them from actually going forth with this movement. What, what arrogance, you know, to say we have a right to put our embassy in your lands where we want it. What if uh, some African country decided to put their amb- embassy downtown Salt Lake City on Temple Square? <laughs> well, certain, well right. certain people How might arrogant. like that. I think, <laughs> Hatch, I think uh, Senator that. Hatch might like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the country, I guess. Well, it just boggles the mind. But, but again, you know, I can see where they're coming from. Where, where are they coming from? From an imperialistic view of the world. The U.S. cannot allow people to wander off their reservation. Well, I think and it's so also going beyond the law. It's saying this, our sovereignty is exactly. more important than our agreement. That's amazing to exactly. me that you could ignore that. You know, oh, I, that's not insignificant. That doesn't mean anything as we... And there have been other resolutions exactly. like that that we've ignored regarding Israel. Yeah. Look, uh, look, you know, uh, look I, at this. I, I just want to just point out, remember his spe- Trump's speech about destroying the state of North Korea? I mean, is this another breakthrough, advance in strong-armed diplomacy? This is stuff that hasn't gone down, I don't think, in the United Nations before. Not so blatantly, has it? Well, it's, it's, it's an empire trying to deal with their peons. But... Johnny, this whole thing reminded me of a discussion I had with a, uh, a fellow medical student uh, in medical school. Uh, this guy was saying that um, the U.S. had a total right to go into any country, invade them, take their resources, because the U.S. mission is to look out for itself. And I was just floored. I'm thinking... I understand what you're saying. If your country is first and you want to honor your 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 country, yes, true. But this guy thinks that you can invade other countries and and so because you're doing it for the good of your country, you have the right to do it. So this is a mentality that we're under right now. And that's the ugly truth behind all these deals. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But let, let's look at the, a little bit of the aftermath. Let's let's take a listen to a uh, a, a little bit of ABC uh, George Stephanopoulos's program about the reaction to the uh, to the U.S. move. New fallout from President Trump's move to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and ultimately move the U.S. embassy there. When I came- President called the dramatic break from the past a step toward peace, but it is drawing a fierce reaction in the region and condemnation from a chorus of world leaders. Our chief global affairs anchor Martha Reddits in Washington with all the latest. Good morning, Martha. 
Good morning, George. Outside of Israeli support, there has been condemnation of President Trump's move across the globe, from the Arab world to European leaders who've called it regrettable, unhelpful. And Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas said the announcement could lead to wars that never end and shows that the U.S. can no longer be an honest broker in the peace process. And on the West Bank, you see there, there have been protests this morning with Israeli police firing tear gas into a crowd. But so so far, the protests have been relatively small. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson in Vienna this morning is calling the president's move just a recognition of reality since Israel has most of its government offices in Jerusalem, George. Yeah, and one of the questions, will the protests escalate tomorrow? And at the heart of this are competing claims over the status of Jerusalem and what this means for the peace process. Exactly. It's been assumed that if a two-state solution was ever agreed upon, East Jerusalem, which is majority Arab, would be the Palestinian capital and West would be for the Israelis. But President Trump's announcement changes that, putting the U.S. clearly on the side of the Israelis, claiming it all, George. Well, that is uh, <laughs> very disturbing. But I think that there's been a lot more even since that that happened. Is this going to create a continual turmoil, more endless wars? Is this what's going to happen, Hugo? I believe so, but that's exactly what the people who run our country want. We want, the U.S. wants to be on a war path at all times because our economy never left the wartime economy after the war, World War II. It gave, it gave, it gave the U.S. power prestige, control, and we cannot be at peace. You know, Eisenhower warned us about this, all right? And so, yeah, it, it's all, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or, or not, but I think under underlying all these things, all these dealings, is to keep us in a state of war. We need to have an enemy to rally around. And so if, 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 if Russia got beat up and then we need to find somebody else but now we're trying to get russia again to be demonized and it's i, I mean there are things <laughs> it's just so hypocritical because the things that we're talking about is interference in elections as though we have never done that before and we've done that in gigantic <laughs> ways right. i mean we talk about iran right. i mean we overthrew, the, helped well, directly overthrow the first democratic uh, representatives and uh, political leaders in other lands in Central America and Chile. They tried Francis de Gaulle, General de Gaulle, for heaven's sakes. You know, we had an army in Russia, you know, when they were trying to solve their problems 100 years ago. We had an army running around in Russia trying to suppress the rebels. And, and so... You know, paradoxically, you know, I think it could work, but 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 it's so sick because by trying to be really idealistic, that is, okay, let's have a city where we all have our capital there, we all have our embassies. What's not to like about that? Because in theory, we could all get along, we're right there, works perfect, but we're not that developed. So we have these resolutions saying, let's just not go there. And so in, in a paradoxical way, yes, the solution would be to all be together in this city and we all get along, but we can't. We're not there. I'm going to go back into the history of this a little bit because that will give a, a strong 
spotlight on what Nikki Haley and Trump are ignoring about the history of these conflicts and, and why there has been such turmoil about it. Because when we flagrantly disobey international law, what people think international law is, and also interferes with their best interests, it's like serious, particularly in the area of, of saying, well, okay, so yes, what happened was that there was an occupied territory in, in uh, East Jerusalem and basically, um, in, in, in 1980, Israel annexed it without, you know, uh, against international law. And you can say this about other elements of the occupation, but let's just talk about that. They annexed it and then said it's the unified capital of Israel. So it was, it's a little bigger deal than just, uh, than just moving an embassy. But let's go back to the roots of the conflict. Let's go back to 1947 when the United Nations Partition Plan was first drawn up with Jerusalem classified as a separate international city. Sounds good. But when Israel declared its independence, a war broke out between the Arabs and the Jews following Israel's declaration, and Jerusalem became divided, with Israel now holding the western half and Jordan the east, including the old city. But then we have the Six-Day War in 1967. And Israel took over the whole of Jerusalem, but the Palestinians, hoping for their own state, never gave up the hope that East Jerusalem would be the capital of their own state in the future. And this sentiment was joined by a large portion of the international community. But then in 1980, Israel, as I was talking about, declared the whole of Jerusalem to be the united capital of Israel. At that point, the United Nations Security Council reacted sharply with a resolution declaring the Israeli annexation of Jerusalem illegal according to international law. Let's listen to this. This is the famous resolution 478, done in uh, that it it recalls uh, in its um, it recalls the re resolution 476. Uh, reaffirms again that the acquisition of territory by force is inadmissible. Deeply concerned over the enactment of a basic law in the Israeli Knesset, proclaiming a change in the character and status of the holy city of Jerusalem with its implications for peace. Noting that Israel has not complied with Resolution 476 of 1980, uh, reaffirming its determination to examine practical and means, ways and means in accordance with relevant provisions of the Charter of the United Nations to secure full implementation of its Resolution 476 in the event of non-compliance by Israel. Censors. In the strong, strongest terms, the enactment of Israel of the basic law in Jerusalem and the refusal to comply with relevant security resolutions. Affirms that the enactment of the basic law by Israel constitutes a violation of international law and does not affect the continued application of the Geneva Convention relative to the protection of civilian per persons in time of war of August 12, 1949, in the Palestinian and other Arab countries occupied since June 1967, including Jerusalem, determines that all legislative and administrative measures and actions taken by Israel, the occupying power, which have altered or purport to alter the character and status of the holy city in, of Jerusalem, and in particular the recent basic law in Jerusalem, are null and void and must be rescinded forthwith affirms that this acting constitutes a serious obstruction in achieving a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace in the Middle East, decides not to recognize the basic law and other such actions by Israel, and as a result of this law, seeks to alter the character and status of Jerusalem, and calls upon 
<clears throat> all member states to accept this decision. Those states that have established diplomatic missions at Jerusalem to withdraw such missions from the Holy City request the Secretary General to report to the Security Council on the implementation of the present resolution before November 15, 1980, decides to remain seized of the, um, of the serious situation. And this was adapted by 14 votes to none with one abstention by the United States. So the United States, let it, it didn't take a position, so this was, was accepted. And this is the reaction that, that, this is the resolution which the U.S. voted in 1999 by our Congress and, and Trump's move of the embassy violated and which the United States participated in. Does that sound like a pretty strong uh, legal foundation for saying maybe we shouldn't have done this? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for bringing up all these things. You know, we're not hearing much about this in the media. We haven't heard, I haven't heard, I listen to it all, all these things all the time, and I haven't heard anything about it. And um, in, in a moment, we'll, we'll go into a little bit. It, it, I realize that there's a lot of detail here, but I, I felt it necessary to say, to actually bring some of the legal stuff to the foreground because people don't even know it existed. Did you ever hear someone speak recently of 478? No, that's what I was saying. I, yeah, no. I haven't heard anything about this. Nothing. So, so, so some say that you'll hear people say it was illegal, but they don't say why. And, right. and, and you know, there's a question about its legality. And we're going to, uh, I'm going to go into this. I'm, I'm going to read something. It's actually in Wikipedia. But it has, it's very, it's substantially sourced, and certainly people can go ahead and check it out themselves. But I want to talk about the legality of 478, which is, that was adopted on August 20th, 1988, is one of seven UNS, UNSC resolutions, that's United Nations Security Council resolutions, condemning Israel's attempted annexation of East, German, East Jerusalem. There were seven of these things. In particular, UNSC Resolutions 478 notes Israel's non-compliance with the former 476, which we just mentioned, and condemned Israel's 1980 Jerusalem law, which declared Jerusalem to be Israel's complete and united capital as a violation of international law. The resolution states that the Council will not recognize the law and calls on member states to accept the decision of the Council. Also asks for people to leave, I mean, to take their embassies out. And I, so this is what we could say. Israel categorically rejected the resolution and its foreign ministry announced, that, quote, it will not undermine the status of Jerusalem as the capital of a sovereign Israel and its united city, which will never again be torn apart. Okay, so that's, they, they decided to do that. And is that because they're a sovereign nation? They can do whatever they want? Can they ignore uh, resolutions that they've agreed to as part of the uh, Security Council of the United Nations? Remarks made to the Council, U.S. Secretary of State Edmund M M Muskie said, the question of Jerusalem must be addressed in the context of negotiations for a comprehensive, just and lasting Middle Eastern peace. The draft resolution before us today is illustrative of a preoccupation which has produced a series of unbalanced, unrealistic texts on Middle Eastern issues. 
It fails to serve the goal of all faiths to look upon Jerusalem as holy. We must share a common vision of that ancient city's future as an undivided Jerusalem with free access uh, to the holy places for people of all faiths. With respect to the section of the draft resolution relating to the transfer of embassies from Jerusalem, the Secretary of State said the resolution was Fundamentally flawed, the U.S. considered that the instruction that states remove their diplomatic missions Israel not binding and without force, and we must reject it as a disruptive attempt to dictate to other nations. So the U.S. is saying here <coughs> that we can, uh, we can ignore that, but we weren't there anyway. He said that the United Nations would forcibly resist any attempt to impose sanctions on Israel under Chapter 7 of the Charter. So he's going to protect uh, Israel from... You know, we're supposed to protect Israel. Shlomo Slamin said, despite its forceful tone, Muskie's statement did not really elucidate the American position on Jerusalem. In no reference to Jerusalem as an occupied territory, but neither did it deny such a status. He noted that America's policy regarding Jerusalem at the end of 1980 continued to be marked by considerable ambiguity and confusion. And in fact, we didn't, we didn't move there. So there are other aspects that... Yeah, there are other aspects to this, which I'll um, <clears throat> we can discuss in another conversation. Yes, but you've done enough to show the legal implications and the the background to this whole mess. You know, it reminds me of what every nation goes through when they pick a capital. It's so fraught with problems, even our own country in picking Washington, D.C. There's a lot of hanky-panky going on on pro quos throughout our history on how we ended up in Washington, D.C., if one cares to look at it. And so that's why a lot of states and countries wind up with weird capitals in the middle of nowhere, like Brasilia and Brazil, because they cannot settle these arguments, so they end up with a capital in the Thule somewhere where nobody's going to argue about where why are you not here or there so you pick a third neutral place and that's what might that that might be what ends up happening and so for israel to insist to have its capital in such a controversial city just a rehash of history and all the political shenanigans that go on when people try to settle on a capital yeah it's just um this is a very big mess and i think uh what really concerns me is the sort of flagrant uh, violation of potentially legal Security Council resolutions, not just one, but many concerning it, Israel, including the sanctions. I think it's uh, really a, uh, amazing that we would want to ignore such things, but perhaps in keeping with the agenda of the uh, uh, Trump administration. At any rate... Um, and the Yep, and the conglomerates, of corporations, and all that behind all this. So you've done a great job in, in uh, bringing up these points, Johnny. Well, thank you. Well, let's take a break for a moment. Here's something that we all need, as presented in this beautiful song by Patty Greer, May Peace Prevail on Earth.
This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. Creating content for a website can often be an exquisite, difficult compromise between providing information and being interesting and concise so people will quickly get the gist of it. The approach must include the website's purpose, supplying the data necessary to back up the website's declared intent, and properly combining text with graphics to achieve an attractive, compelling look. Naturally, there are various types of websites and related content. Our goal is to precisely customize website content to the client's desire, intent, and marketing or informational sharing objectives. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com and fill out the contact form. Dr. Hugo Rodier is a medical doctor trained in nutritional medicine with a special interest in intestinal disorders. You may schedule a consult via Skype or telephone by calling 801-898-3317 or via email by accessing his website, hugorodier.com, H-U-G-O-R-O-D-I-E-R.com. No insurance accepted, but a form is available to apply for reimbursement from your insurance except for Medicare. Dr. Rodier speaks English, French, and Spanish. It is the 15th century. El Tesoro de Cielo, a Spanish treasure ship, sends a scouting expedition to a strange island. Golden statues surrounding them prove the enormity of their find. Suddenly, hordes of ghoulish creatures with scaly green flesh and skeletal wings descend upon them from the sky. What do you think of this, Rufio? These creatures are fragile, Captain. We can take them with our swords. They seem supernatural. Who knows what powers they possess? Fallen angels, weakened by their treason. My God! Are you saying they're Nephilim, the devil's host? I'm saying whatever they are, we can take them. Do any of you cowards dare join me? Up against sharp knife-like nails and hideous fangs, the men's swords rip into slimy green flesh. Though black blood pours copiously from their half-naked bodies, the creatures miraculously persist. Can the crew survive this bloody, cursed battle? Find out more by googling The Thrice Born, a new sci-fi supernatural novel by Carlos Lopez Avery and Johnny Blue Star. Google with the words Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. That's Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. Hi, this is Johnny Blue Star. You know, Yugo, this is really complex. I keep thinking maybe I left something out. I want people to more or less get the whole picture. One of the things that I've been concerned about 
in, in, in developing uh, these radio shows that we've been working on is that we actually bring to the table things that are being not necessarily uh, things that are just unusual, but sometimes what's being neglected are the basic facts and reality of situations. And people don't really know. They're just getting... They have a bunch of people on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News discussing these things. They're experts in their field. And there's a lot of ellipsis. That, <coughs> that means they're... <coughs> excuse me. That they're leaving out a bunch of stuff. And so people really are just sort of absorbing opinions, not getting any real substantial foundations for, for making opinions. So... Hugo, thanks a lot for joining me today. Well, thank you, Johnny. Well, we, we're going to have uh, an interesting uh, few, next few weeks, I guess, uh, absorbing some of the impact of this decision. So, um, Well, we'll always have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it looks that way. So uh, we're going to say goodbye now and go to our, our final farewell for, for this hour. I wrote this song with composer Edgar Ahrens, and it's sung beautifully by Patricia Welch. Love never the withers. This is Johnny Blue Star. We all live very closely or within ourselves to an immense journey of self-discovery and adventure. For humanity, both the wide expanse of stars and the infinitely wider space within ourselves beckon us to make that leap forward. Thank you for making Threshold Radio part of your journey. Be well and keep cosmic. It must have been cold there in my shadow. Never have sunlight on your face You were content to let me shine 
that's your way. You always walked a step behind. So I was the one with all the glory, while you were the one with all the strength. A beautiful face without a name for so long. Beautiful smile to hide the pain. Did you ever know that you're my hero? And everything I would like to be. And I can fly higher than any. Beneath my wings.